Welcome to What's Korean Cinema on Parasite. Bong Joon-ho's multi-mood experience, Parasite, about poverty and wealth, is coming to UK cinemas on February 7th, courtesy of Curzon Artificial Eye. Already hit in South Korea with 10 million admissions, making it the second most profitable movie of 2019. Pub quiz, Paul Quinn, was the most profitable movie in Korea of 2019, if this is number two. Oh, oh you've caught me off my guard. <laughs> uh, extreme job. Uh, oh, well, really, is it? Most admissions that year. I actually, I did interview the director of Extreme Job just a couple of months ago, and at that stage, it was the second most. But, you know, it, it changes so quickly, you just think, I haven't kept up. But there you go. Exactly. It is also the most uh, parasite, that is, the most uh, successful Korean movie released in America ever, with a box office of currently 31 million US dollars and counting. It's also nominated for six Academy Awards, including Best Picture and Best Director, as well as Best Picture and Best Director among other nominations at the British Academy Film Awards, which is held on February 2nd, as we are recording this, essentially. It's going to kick off during the recording uh, in an hour or so. So what this is, this is an extra sort of breaking news episode of What's Korean Cinema. It's not numbered. I've labeled it extra. Uh, because we've recorded two other shows that are numbered, that are, uh, are they're in editing stages right now. Uh, and we didn't want to demote this show to the bonus category. So we, we wanted to talk of a fresh movie for once when it's on the brink of opening in a market that this podcast plays to, such as the UK. So in this uh, episode, we'll be reviewing uh, Bong Joon-ho's uh, Parasite. And my name is Kenny B. Uh, with me, uh, failing at his uh, box office uh, pub trivia quiz, is Paul Quinn of Hangul's Adenoid. Damn it, the one thing I've never been able to cope with is money. Um, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good to see you. Ignore the, the, the earlier bit about not knowing Extreme Job was still the second most, or, you know, whatever. It's uh, we, we, without even uh, um, searching out your opinions on Extreme Job. I have a feeling you like Parasite more than Extreme Job, but maybe Extreme Job was a fun one. Fun one. Fun one. Extreme Job is fun action throwaway comedy. If I'd have been looking to predict what would be, you know, at some point the most watched film of 2019, I would not have chosen it at all. I enjoyed it enough. It's really it didn't it didn't stay with me. Let's be honest. How many viewings are you in uh, in terms of uh, Parasite now? Have you been viewing it solely for work or have you been like, I'm going to rewatch it? God damn it, it's good. From a personal point of view, it, it was close to the hardest review I have ever written because I needed to be so careful and not give anything away. And I'm sure we'll talk about that a lot. So, you know, normally if I'm reviewing a film, I'll watch it once. Some are easy, you can do it. Sometimes you have to watch a film twice to get you know where you really are in it i think with parasite it was it was three maybe four times and then and then a rewatch just before we do this so i i've, I've seen it a lot um but we'll talk about that as well um i'm two viewings in because i bought it on um, us itunes and again i'm in sweden but uh, as things work you can buy uh, vouchers from sites that you actually put into the itunes system you know you're not scamming anyone and you can buy uh, movies uh, properly and legit uh, that way so i i, I bought it digi- digitally and uh, unless there's new exclusive extras uh, produced for for uk or other markets i, I think that's going to be my edition because um, uh, it had a q a and and that's it so uh, unless uh, they get uh, uh, bonk to do an exclusive commentary further down the line then uh, then and i'm good for now 
Uh, do note on 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 that note of uh, spoilers that we, we we want the potential viewers of Parasite to go into it cold. Uh, it really is a more valuable experience that way, and even skip reading a synopsis at all. So we we, we do recommend that uh, that uh, tactic. And the film, you know, we, we we're not going to spoil the entire film during our discussion, but consider our discussion to still have some spoilers and you really should treat yourself to a nice zero knowledge experience and head into parasite that way and then come back to our show to hear our thoughts uh, really and a programming note as well after we sign off at the end of the show and after the outro music has finished there will be some additional discussion that deals with the major spoilers of the film so because uh, i had some thoughts on on technique and content for uh, for uh, a stretch of the film that you definitely don't want to let out in the open at all because uh, even uh, even uh, Bong Joon-ho pleaded with the world to uh, to shut the hell up and uh, the world did <laughs> because I, I I haven't read any uh, I didn't read any spoilers beforehand and there was no ass hats on Twitter or whatever like oh I can't believe that happened in the film ha 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 lol you know, there was no, uh, there was no um, sort of um, s- strange, like uh, immature fandom surrounding this film on that note. You know, it's it's great that that everyone was so respectful. You know, and I think watching the film, it sort of speaks for itself that you have to be. You know, it really comes across that you could so easily destroy it for someone, and you know that's not usually the case with most films, as you know. So, you know, I'm I'm, I'm glad they've been so respectful. At any rate, we're going to get into it after some quick uh, contact information. And this is uh, What's Korean Cinema Extra, if you will, on the Podcast on Fire network. We are located on podcastonfire.com where you'll find uh, uh, What's Korean Cinema and its back catalogue. And uh, we also do bonus episodes every now and again. We reviewed uh, uh, Bong Joon-ho movies uh, both in... Uh, well, mainly in short form. Well, well we've done Memories of Murder, of course, but we've done a short movie as well. He's uh, Shaking Tokyo, a short movie that's uh, in our uh, back catalogue. And uh, if you have any questions or feedback, uh, do let us know. Podcast on fire at googlemail.com if you want to talk Parasite uh, and uh, whatever. So uh, if, uh, if you have seen the rest of uh, Bong's uh, filmography, which I have not, then uh, do share uh, what you thought of uh, his uh, sort of wicked uh, plot summaries that sometimes make you go, Wait a minute, what is that? Claim cinema? If you look back at his first movie, Barking Dogs Never Bite, I hear little blurbs here and there about it being uh, about a puppy serial killer. And it, and it's not like he made an exploitation movie. I think that there's a sort of black comedy, thriller, comedic purpose to it, but I don't know too much about it. So whenever I see it, I'll see it. And it will uh, either delight me or uh, being a dog guy, it will uh, destroy me. I don't know. It, it will delight you regardless. You know, just just remember the tagline: "No animals were harmed during the making of this film." Yeah, for sure, they're, they're not that irresponsible. Uh, a few years into the millennium, but uh, if you watch interviews with uh, Bong Joon Ho, whenever that that is mentioned, that sort of basic plot summary, you can see him laughing his tits off because yeah, uh, totally. and, and always react like it's a stupid thing. I, it's a stupid <laughs> movie. I made a stupid plot. Uh, maybe not stupid movie in terms of like I don't like it, but it's more like. Who does that? Well, I did it. <laughs> you know, it's dead. And so, so, so glad he did. So quirky, so funny, mm. so Bong Joon Ho. Hey, we, 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 obviously, without spoiling it, at that time, did he get any big star for that movie? Because I don't remember. It was like a Song Kang Ho vehicle, or was it small on every level? Yeah, I mean, in terms of international audiences, no one would know who they are. You know, they were 
decent enough actors, but he was it was his first feature, and they were really smaller than the the Son Kang Ho's or you know the Park Soo Dams or whatever. Right on. Uh, moving on, uh, catch up on us uh, with us on our social media, Facebook and Twitter. We'll have uh, handy buttons at the top of our website leading to our uh, sites, and uh, you can also search out the discussion group on uh, facebook called podcast on fire network and uh, check us out that way uh, subscribe and rate us on apple podcasts uh, stream us on stitcher radio and, and spotify and uh, all that good stuff i write about uh, a variety of hong kong and taiwanese movies on my site sogoodreviews.com i video review at sleazykvideo.com and my tweets are available at sogoodreviews and uh, what is uh, your site and uh, have you um, have you covered the, ex- uh, the entirety of uh, bong's filmography or have you skipped a movie or two here and there. The only thing I haven't covered, or the only things I haven't covered are Barking Dogs and The Host. And the the reason for the Barking Dogs is that I just haven't got around to it. The reason for The Host was because of all his films, it's my least favourite. And I know it's been so phenomenally successful, especially internationally, that everybody's going to expect me to be waxing lyrical about it. So I almost stayed away just because... It's a personal thing for me. It it's an all right film, but it's not it's not one of his masterpieces. So everything else has been done. Yeah, uh, well, it's my least favorite so far, but um, it um, I'm gonna rewatch it at, at one point. But uh, I'm gonna go for the ones I haven't seen so far, like Bucking Dogs, Never Bite and Mother, and uh, Snowpiercer. I haven't seen either, so so we'll we'll get to that. But uh, what what is uh, the site URL so people can go and check out your typey typey stuff? I run Hangle Celluloid. It's the website is at www.hanglecelluloid.com and I'm on Twitter and Facebook as well. If you go to the site on the main page, there are actually, you know, my, my Twitter, the last four things in my Twitter feed are actually there and there's links to the Twitter and links to the Facebook. So just remember hanglecelluloid.com and you can't really go wrong. And the tweets uh, I gather are like hot emoji and then name of Korean actress. After that, Ob- ob- obviously peppered, peppered with you know, really serious stuff. But all and anything that grabs my fancy Korean film wise, um, you'll find all over the place. Excellent. Well, let's uh, get to Parasite then. It was made uh, last year, 2019, and plot, uh, which uh, is from Paul's review over at Hangle Celluloid, that doesn't spoil anything as such. Uh, but as we said, if you uh, want to go into it completely cold, not knowing anything of the plot, then do stop right now get it in uh, in some shape or form now or wait until you can get it in your particular territory in the world and then come back to us but uh, Paul uh, did not spoil a lot at all so uh, that's why I chose uh, this uh, plot uh, for our show purposes so here we go the character of Ki Woo played by Choi Woo Shik lives with his mother and father played by Song Kang Ho and sister in one of a number of cramped dilapidated semi-basement apartments in a rundown area of Seoul Impoverished in the extreme, the family struggles to survive on the pittance of on the pittance received for assembling pizza boxes from home, having to resort not least to stealing neighbors' Wi-Fi to even search for other similarly menial work. On a day that the family is docked ten percent of its already meager pay, Kiwoo is visited by his friend, college student Min. Who, as well as giving him a large landscape rock said to bring the owner wealth and prosperity, suggest Kiwu should take over the English tutoring of a high school girl from the ultra wealthy 
Park family. Kiwu, of course, jumps at the chance and immediately sets about enlisting the help of his sister. And his sister is called Kigung, played by Park Sudam. Uh, she helps him forging uh, to forge uh, university documents for his interview with the girl's uh, mother. However, while he is sure his new fraudulently obtained job will bring him decent financial reward, on meeting the schoolgirl and her mother, played by uh, and her mother, a character of Yeon Kyo, played by Cho Yeo Jong, Kiwo begins to forge a more intricate and elaborate plan, which, if successful, will be significantly more lucrative. And I thought that was a good ending point, Paul, uh, that you chose for yourself. I don't know how many sleepless nights uh, you spent uh, trying to cut down that plot to the bare essentials, but uh, I, thought you did, yeah, I thought you did a good job, sir. Normally, you know, a synopsis, I'll, I, I tend to eat in little cafes and write there a lot. So normally I'll head out. On, t- on tables that I leave behind. Um, you know, I'll usually go about lunchtime, get, you know, some sort of a fry-up or something, write a synopsis, be done in about, you know, half an hour, an hour, get back home. Um, four days that synopsis took me because I kept having to cut more and think, I can't put that in either. I can't put that in either. So, um, you know, it long-winded. And as for the review itself, you know, you're talking way over a week, which it should normally be like two, three days at most. And uh, that is it. So before we go on, though, let, let, let's connect back to the UK rollout a little bit. So as we said, Curzon, Artificial Eye are handling it in the UK, uh, the cinema release in the UK, and the subsequent home video release as well. So how wide of a release are we talking here? Because clearly, Curzon know it's big, it's popular, it's lucrative. So do you have a sense of how wide this is going to play? It's a big cities only or it's all over the country? It's all over the country. Um, Curzon have said that it will be shown in, quote, more than 100 Curzon cinemas. And they're also going to allow a certain number of, you know, smaller chains and independents to show it as well. Um, they haven't. At the time of doing this, they hadn't given full details. They just sort of said, you know, check your local cinema to see if it's playing there. But all over the country, more than 100 cinemas. And at the end of its 16-week run, which is insane when you, in terms of Korean cinema, you know, full stop, um, it will go on video on demand. But Curzon runs its own video on demand, and normally it puts things out through that. They're not doing that this time. They have announced a partnership with a video-on-demand service that they haven't named. So the only the only thing I can think is that it's one of the big hitters because that's the only place that's going to get a wider thing than Curzon's own streaming service. So, 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 so for instance, uh, regardless of the title we're talking about in the past, ha- have they handled it exclusively for VOD and it hasn't been on iTunes and Amazon and, and the likes, but, but now it might be more, uh, more expanded than that? Yes, yeah, very much so. That's, that's normally what their thing is. So them saying they're partnering with a video-on-demand streaming service and not naming it, to me, just says they know how big this is and they want something that's going to get huge coverage even more than Curzon would have because a lot of people don't even know Curzon have a streaming service I guess right okay yeah yeah that makes sense to finally expand via this movie yeah you know so whatever one of the four or five top big things is it's going to be on one of those you can almost guarantee and then subsequently to that Curzon will then release it on blu-ray and dvd as well so this this is huge 
is it the largest Korean movie uh, cinema rollout in the UK? Because we're, we've talked in the past of that back in the day. First was big. Back in the day, Flu was big. Back in the day, The Handmaiden was probably fairly big. But is this uh, the record breaker in terms of uh, how uh, how wide it's going to go? Massively so. I mean, as far as I can remember, I think The Handmaiden was on screens for, I, I think, 12 weeks. But it wasn't on over 100 around the country. You know, um, there were maybe maybe three, four cinemas in the in in London that had it, and you could get it in big cities everywhere else. Um, this this is this is new ground. This is huge, and it has proven to be commercially acceptable, obviously. And uh, that, that leads me into my uh, other question: um, Is there an easy answer as to why Parasite played so well with, in particular, American audiences uh, to a point where it just blew? previous Korean cinema box office records in the US away. And uh, has uh, Bong Joon-ho himself articulated a reply on this uh, after these many weeks and so many millions in? Like, how how, how this all happened and uh, how was it even possible that it could uh, reach these numbers? As far as I'm concerned, its success in the US started off with its success at Cannes, obviously, with it winning the Palme d'Or, getting a 10-minute standing ovation, um, which was only stopped after 10 minutes because Bong Joon-ho stopped it himself because he said he was hungry and he wanted to get food, by yeah, the way. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> like, stop it. French fries for me now. You know, the whole thing is that that's going to get the cinephiles in. That's going to get the, the art house people up and running because that's what the Pandora usually is. And then you get the big critics reviewing it and actually saying, actually, this is this is hugely entertaining as well. So I think it's just crossed every tick box you could mention it's art house it's a thriller it's a comedy it's popcorn entertainment it's serious social commentary and i think gradually as word of mouth has spread people have become intrigued just as they have been in the uk that no matter what they're into it sort of hits maybe more than one button and i think that has just allowed it to gradually snowball has he himself um, tried to sort of articulate uh, why its uh, its momentum is not stopping as such? If you take a, a quote from actress Park So Dam, who went to see the film in the States thinking that it was wholly Korean, and when she saw how people reacted to it and really got the gist of it, she she instantly said, wow, this is a world story. This is why people are clicking into it. And I would agree with that on one level. Um, I'd also say because it is, you know, cinematically amazing, the way it, the way it's done, the the genres, the blah, 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 blah. Park, excuse me, Bong Joon-ho has actually said that for him, it isn't the story at all that has appealed to people. He says it's something cinematic but he hasn't put his finger on what it is. And he's actually said that he needs to sit down and look at it in depth over a period of time to figure out what it was that grabbed people. I can imagine that w- once the rumor started that, oh, no, 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 just because we want the Palm d'Or, isn't, it isn't stuffy. It's really entertaining. And, and as soon as some people got that, you got those ripples going that, oh, go see it, it's 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 marvelously approachable and all of that so you know maybe that has something to do with it because it isn't strictly for cineasts only totally totally it's it's for them and it's it's for everyone else as well um and i think i think that's a huge part of it what it'll be interesting at some point bong joon ho's going to turn around and say he's figured out why it is i would assume 
and it'll be interesting to hear what he has to say when it when he does finally make his decision. Very cool. Well, uh, we'll uh, reach. Uh, we have reached the review of it. Obviously, we're in favor of it. But uh, let's do as we we always do and try to formulate some kind of quick, uh, bite-sized opinions first. And uh, and as for mine, I mean, Bong Joon Ho, he has made it, I guess, his trademark at this point to be all over the place in terms of moods and uh, getting away with it easily because he, he does it well. Uh, but but it's a pretty enthralling experience to get both like this easily digested piece in terms of theme. But but also it has depths and it also wanders seamlessly between the sort of sly, quirky and absurd humor and seriousness and darkness and to an extent shocking violence again, keeping it spoiler free. So and I'm glad also that it's not Bong Joon-ho light and that's why it connected to audiences and we're here saying like, oh, no, 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 this is like 10 times worse than his best movie. So go see his best movie instead. Like they, they, This is up there. This is quality from the man and not um, not uh, sort of uh, 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 weaker uh, weaker in any, in any way. So um, that's uh, part of the reason, I suppose, why it connected uh, worldwide that it's uh, approachable and uh, quality and uh, you don't necessarily have maybe know like why it connected to you story wise and technically you just take it in and go wow that was that was something and then if you're a particular type of viewer you might go into it a second time and uh, look at it more technically or uh, just be swept away again i suppose it's that good that it uh, you can just sit down and watch it and forget about all the craftsmanship because we're not supposed to sit there and think about craftsmanship all the time we're supposed to enjoy the movie and I certainly did the second time around as well. Uh, so that's my sh- short opinion for now. Let, let's throw over to you. And uh, wh- what would you say in short if you had to say uh, say something in short about Parasite? This is this is trademark Bong Joon Ho. You know that the whole thing about Bong Joon Ho is that he's unpredictable. He he gives you the unexpected, and you know he's going to merge genres. But going into Parasite, I was still surprised by what I knew was coming in terms of the unexpected was coming. I didn't know what it was, but I, I love the fact that it sets out as a quirky, funny social drama. And you're convinced that's what it is. And then before you know it, it starts morphing and it morphs before you even realize that it's changed and it becomes, you know, an exciting thriller. It becomes, you know, a black comedy again. Um, I love the way he's crafted this. He crafts all his films, but there's something about Parasite that just flows. And it's got so much depth to it that the more and more intricate the story gets, the more immersed you are, the more gripped you are. And he sets everything out so well from the very outset that it's easy to keep up with, no matter how intricate it gets. I mean, yeah, it's not, over, it's not overstuffed just because it throws new developments at us. In the first five minutes, and this isn't giving any spoilers away, but in the first five minutes, you find out absolutely everything about this poor, impoverished family and what they're willing to do to earn money. Yeah, you, you know, you find out that they're not lazy; they're willing to work their asses off. They just can't get decent jobs. They have to do whatever they have to do, and you're so f- familiar with them by the time you're even introduced to the rich family that you're then able to focus on them and as the story again progresses you're so familiar with everybody that you can concentrate on that so no matter how complicated it gets it's such an easy watch it, it indeed is and uh, I, I wanted to 
connect back to, to to make it all about me for a minute here, uh, as I do. I don't know why I got the feeling that I should, you, you know, when this was announced and the stills were coming out and all of that. Uh, I don't know why I got the feeling that I sh- I should avoid any knowledge about this. I think I, sh- I, I think I should. I, I, I don't know why that why that was or where that came from, because I'm 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 as devoted to Bong Joon-ho as anyone is, I suppose, but I haven't liked all the movies I've seen. So I'm, I'm not sitting there like, counting the days, so bring me another movie, otherwise I'll go, uh, I'll go mental. And But there was something about the initial stills with the redacted black trails over the actors' faces. Anonymity, for, for whatever reason. And I don't know why that connected to me. Maybe it was saying to me, like, maybe I should be kept in the dark as well. I should keep details in the dark. So, And it was not hard to do pre-release of it digitally in America anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I literally, I only had picked up the snippets that it was about class to some extent, wealth and poverty. But that, that, that didn't spoil my enjoyment of it, obviously. Um, so it was interesting. To I just knew that I'll I'll just keep out of the way until I see it essentially. Uh, so uh, was that easy for you to uh, as well to avoid spoilers, or you were in circles that uh, that uh, rattle of spoilers left and right, and you need to close your browser window in panic? I mean, uh, to be honest with you, in most cases I want to see things blind anyway, so I'll tend to stay away from something other than hearing it's you know oh people are talking about it a lot therefore it's either really good or really bad um etc etc but especially with bong joon ho as soon as one of his films new films is mentioned i will ignore everything you know i've done it right back i think you know i I was aware of what memories of murder was was about because it was way back then um but ever since um i've and the host i guess but you know for mother and even Snowpiercer, I, I just, as soon as I saw the words, I would just get off. So I stayed away as much as possible. And that was a continued deliberate attempt, especially because it's him. I, I mean, so it's not um, superheroes or Star Wars. This, so spoilers are not going to be that rampant in every viewing of our social feeds or whatever. So I guess it was simple to keep away if you wanted to um, when all was said and done. You know, and, and like we say, you know, those that did see it were respectful enough to sort of not give anything away in a in a, a tweet or whatever. So it, it it was almost easier to stay away from stuff than other films might be. Go, going into it, I mean, in other filmmakers' hands, uh, lesser talented ones, where, when he starts to depict the family physically, uh, and it's very on the nose, their, their family living under the surface level. All of that on the nose stuff would have been so cringy if, if you weren't Bong Joon-ho, I suppose. Uh, but it's simultaneously such a fun visual that they're living on the level and their daily lives are about... Searching for Wi-Fi, uh, searching for online offers. And I love the choreography of seeking Wi-Fi in the corners of the house because there's a little little piano like doing its thing, like dun, 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 dun. It's always a dance. It's almost a dance. And even that becomes delightfully cinematic as they look for Wi-Fi in the corners and they end up finding the best spot on the toilet, literally. So uh, that's which, uh, which it does have to be said, isn't on the normal floor. It's up on a 
almost a, a big boxy shelf thing. You know, there's so little room in their place. And, and, and it's not it's not like distressing and um, disturbing poverty he's setting up here. It, they're appropriately disheveled, but not overly. It's like there's no rats here running about the place and they're not like completely sick and crapping on the floor or anything. So Bong Joon-ho isn't like hammering home the point, but he's doing it in in a playful manner while still talking of something to a degree, I suppose. And that's the sort of magic trick he pulls, that yeah, this is fun, but I suppose it can be rooted in some kind of reality somewhere in there. So, uh, And again on that, you know, from the, the first two seconds of the film where the whole thing on focus in, in frame is a, a set of socks that look slightly, you know, old, um, but are clearly have been hung out to dry and they're hanging on a little rack hanging from the ceiling against an open window, you know, and then he moves down to, you know, one of one of the main characters that sort of set it off for me that you immediately from the first second know that these people don't have a lot of money because you're not going to hang your socks from the ceiling. I mean, that's a skill that you, you literally need to, you know, you need to be talented to not make this oppressing and too over the top like look at them they're so poor oh my god how poor they are i mean you 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 can be taken out of a movie if the balance is not sound uh, or but but i guess his key is to make it a little bit playful and cinematic and uh, it is not always i suppose where characters are seeking little wi-fi spots in movies And, you know, I think, again, from the very outset, the fact that the family are so close-knit and they're so kind of happy, even though they're destitute, you know, they they smile at each other a lot. They they laugh together a lot. And I think that just sort of underlines how, how normal they are in terms of, yeah, they have no money, but they're, they're, they're wholly a family. I think it's beautiful. And they're verbally capable, too, where, you know, when they put their minds to something, they can achieve things, but uh, the sort of either playful or serious commentary, because with Bong Joon-ho, you simply don't know exactly. Skills doesn't mean an automatic ticket into society necessarily. Um, totally. Uh, which is, uh, you know, something you pick up and then you watch them indeed being of positive mind. I mean, Song Kang-ho is so good and so fun as the positive mind of the family being the father. I mean, there's a piece of dialogue in the beginning of the movie like we, that we are gathered here to have a nice dinner. I mean, it's beer and snacks for heaven's sake. It's yeah. beer and crisps. But And he also compliments Ki-woo on having an impressive friend, the, the character of Min. He, uh, he does something before he comes into their apartment. It's his job, I think, to keep up spirits. Like, what an impressive friend. That's a doesn't seem like Song Kang-ho is doing a lot, but I think uh, that attitude speaks volume of his place in the family. He's not this uh, worthless father that stopped caring. He's not sleeping and smoking all day. And so those little touches add to, you know, the whole script and the characters and the theme, I suppose, without it being depressing or anything. Uh, also, um, do what you will with the rock in terms of uh, finding out what it means and then go google what Bong Joon-ho uh, <laughs> said about the rock I'm not gonna tell you anything else but be- believe me th- 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 this is a movie where we get slingshot between 
between the seriousness and the playful, and Bong is uh, having his way with us in that regard, and it's not unacceptable, Paul. Nope, it's not totally. an indecisive movie, right? Despite the multi-mood that he presents to us. Very much so, and, uh, you know, you, you do... I certainly, certainly on a second, third watch, um, was fully aware that he is playing with me, and I was, I was happy to let him do so, you know, and you can almost feel he's saying, you know, he presents this rock as a thing. All the characters are going, oh, this is so metaphorical, you know, even though you don't want to, you almost can't help but try and read in what he's saying about it. And uh, with someone like Bong Joon-ho, you're probably never going to guess completely correctly. And and I underline that in this case. Um, but you still do it, and I still wanted to do it. And I, I think Bong Joon-ho is having a little giggle, saying, you're going to be thinking this really, really well through, aren't you? You know, so I, that that works beautifully for me. He, he plays nice and not so nice and smirks a lot as he crafts this for us. That's the sort of image I have of mm. him just sitting there. <laughs> They're going to like that. They're going to eat that up. Totally. And, uh, I, I got them in the palm of my hands. Mwah. Uh, love little exchanges uh, later in the movie where Song Kang-ho, after they've forged the documents, again, that's in the uh, plot that Paul wrote, where Song Kang-ho comes out and talks to uh, Choi, uh, is it Choi Woo-shik? Yes. Uh, he says to him, son, I'm so proud of you. And they exchange back as he has his proper document to present. Dad, I don't think of this forgery as a crime. And it's, <laughs> they're not... They're not up there. They're behind or anything. It's, it's, it's their solution possibly, and they're okay with totally, it. And yeah. and Bong is not asking us to form an opinion of their family based on that alone, because the we acceptance and not acceptance is gonna, you know, tilt back and forth on the seesaw throughout the movie. But it's 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 a telling exchange. You know, as as Bong sort of hovers over the movie and circles around it and letting us accept the fact that he can present several moods in the moment or do one mood in one moment and another another mood in yeah. the moment later. And that's absolutely fine. I, I don't know. It's Korean cinema in a nutshell, in a way. I think going back to Nowhere to Hide, which was my first Korean movie, I saw a movie that was stylish as hell serious violent and very seducing but super silly too mm. and it was fairly acceptable without me finding an explanation as to why it's it's one of those it's well done and i'll go with it uh, because i'm having a good time with the with the darkness and the violence and the silly stuff and and still we're in 2019 and that in a good filmmaker's hands is fairly acceptable and it has proven to be acceptable because if if C, um, cj were scared of unleashing this uh, schizophrenic movie onto the audiences i don't think they would have because they, they would probably if they were afraid that i don't think this is gonna work it's it needs to be one thing only so we can't release it if the, but by now it seems like it, it's acceptable and risk-free to a degree right totally acceptable um if if you look back you know i always go back to the, the new korean cinema wave of the late 90s and early 2000s bong Jin ho 
was one of the ones that started the whole genre mixing thing. And it's what drew me to Korean cinema in the first place. The fact that you, you'd go to watch one film and you'd actually see three because there was there was thriller, there was comedy, there was, you know, pathos, et cetera, et cetera. Um, he was one of the ones that started all that. And it snowballed to the point where it's 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 more than acceptable except that it's it's almost expected um you know he does it so well that i, I wouldn't think cj even batted an eyelid about the fact that it does switch around i think i think they'll have just seen it as a good film they're so used to that taking place you know it has been for 20 years in korean cinema so uh, i wanted to get your take on another thing it might sound like i'm randomly jumping around here but for me, it was effective upon rewatch because it lets you wander, wander between and wonder about the characteristics and the morals of the rich and the poor and wait until you decide who is good and who is bad and who has good morals and who has bad morals. Uh, you, you certainly see that in the first viewing, but you, you see a little bit more in the second viewing. Some characters you might not have watched uh, as much in detail before you watch a little bit more in detail because uh, they have a key spot in the narrative. Well, everybody does, but uh, there's one character, I'm keeping it spoiler-free, that doesn't seem to, but he certainly plays a large part. Is it effective upon rewatch, or do you think you... uh, Did you get all you sort of needed to in the first viewing, and uh, it was just nice to rewatch the same stuff again? Kind of both. I I felt on a first view and that I got everything I needed to. And when I rewatched it, those feelings came back and they, they changed somewhat. I always really liked the, the Kims, the, the, the impoverished family. I, I, I just, I clicked with them. I liked the fact that they're so cool with each other. They're so close knit. Um, they're funny witty. The first watch I saw the rich ones as, as more unlikable. But, you know, on a, on a rewatch and a rewatch, you come to realize that that's just who they are. That's what they've been conditioned to believe is the way it should be. So I ended up hating them less as people. You know, I love the characters, uh, full stop. But I ended up thinking they were less bad second time around than they were, I think, first time around. Yeah, certainly when we cut to her, the character of Hyun uh, Gyo the mother of the rich park family bong is not uh, just because he describes her or a character describes her as simple that doesn't mean that bong joon ho is done defining her uh, you know good or bad just because an, a scene uh, where, where before we introduce to her she's apparently sleeping in the gardens she, she seems out of it for whatever reason but he's not done uh, defining anything and that's why you hold on to the movie and uh, wait for developments and things like that uh, um so I, I i think that's uh, rewarding and and also you you can f- you can flip into your sort of uh, you can watch this movie as a technical technical exercise because uh, the design of the house is either an architect's dream or an architect's nightmare uh, but you certainly know that the rich uh, the house of the parks are going to play it's going to be a character in itself, uh, it's going to play a huge part of uh, of the various uh, scenarios, all those straight lines and open spaces, I suppose. And, uh, and and I mean, that's why it is nominated for a Technical Academy Award. 
as well. It might have been costume design or uh, production design, but regardless, this uh, deserves every every spotlight on it in the world, uh, the technical exercise that it is. And the more I've seen Bong Joon-ho's um, interviews and so forth, and the actors expressing uh, how is the working is how the working experience is, it also comes through in those interviews that he works from meticulous storyboards. So despite this seeming static, I don't think there's uh, anything that's unplanned necessarily here. No, I think, you know, that's, that's Bong Joon-ho's thing. You know, he go, when he, same as Park jan you know, they go in knowing exactly what they're going to do from start to finish to the the, the tiniest funny line to the, the biggest, you know, be it an explosion or, you know, a deadly virus or whatever. It's all planned out. It's, it's meticulous, you know, so. I wonder if he uh, planned out the fact that Song Kang-ho hits his head on the shelf that is over his uh, place at the dinner table. I would almost guarantee it. Almost guaranteed he's that. I mean, he does it once, involved. so uh, I'm wondering, like, what if they planned that piece of slapstick that he don't... Oh. I would almost guarantee... I, you can't completely guarantee it, but I would, I, knowing what Bong Joon-ho does, I would almost guarantee there's, there was a, a pre-filming storyboard with, you know, Song Kang's hose head there. An arrow upwards. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd be surprised if there wasn't. Really surprised. Yeah. Uh, it, it's one of those, uh, like... Uh, that's an awful place to sit at the dinner table, like because uh, you got to cram in there, and if you're a tall person, then boom again, you're gonna hit your head a couple of times a day. In, and you know, we spoke of the likability or unlikability of the uh, of the rich couple and the rich family. I mean, for, at one point uh, they even rename the son Kim Ki Woo. They decide to call him Kevin, like it's their new plaything. Like uh, you're now Mr. Kevin, and uh, you, you're so curious about that because. You you know that he's not done expanding on the families and the depth, uh, but it's one of those things. Like it almost makes you go, "Ew!" Like that's so condescending. You're not Kevin. We're gonna call him Mr. We're gonna call him Kevin. We're gonna go. We're gonna westernize you now, just because uh, that's what we do. That's what we know. Uh, but uh, he he knows how to inject that beat. He knows how to communicate the next beat of the story, and he's not swinging us back and forward between coherence and incoherency despite the plentiful moods despite the developments and we see tons of movies that have coherency but it's so delightful when you can follow it and it's not simplified necessarily for you you know what i mean totally um you know and on that note i i love the fact we we podcast watch korean cinema stuff a lot and you can almost guarantee at some point in every one, I will say, well, if you look under the surface, what you'll find out about Korean culture is, you know, um, you have to. Whether you choose to look at it in a film or choose to ignore it, if it's there, I'll bring it up. The great thing about Parasite is that you don't need to know anything about Korean culture because it's all there for you. You know, what we've got here is rich versus poor and the, and the poverty gap and that's that's universal so the fact that it is so involved but you don't need to know anything about korean culture at all to get every gist of it is is marvelous from my point of view yeah i mean we, it seems like the, the families are new to us so we can therefore watch their stories and it doesn't need to be background, uh, a social background uh, to all of this. Uh, so, you know, you know, because we, we're presented with them from sort of 
from from scratch, uh, as as the mother of the Park family describes her, her son. There's trauma in his uh, trauma in his uh, in his background, uh, but uh, she describes him as an eccentric genius, and that's pretentiousness and that's funny. But yeah, again, totally. we're not done defining the uh, the mother of the Park family. It's just that that's how they see him. Maybe it's a technique to lift him out of trauma. So that that might be psychologically genuine. And here we go again. Bong Joon-ho is not settling down on a firm solution for, for, for us to sort of like go, aha, now we know the characters. He doesn't give us telltale signs of, aha, now we know everything that's going on and it's 40 minutes left of it. And uh, that's marvelous that uh, we can still feel it's fresh and new as it continues on. And she, she, by the way, Cho Yo-jong, she's very good at all always being on the verge of a nervous breakdown totally but, but not overdoing it um she you know because she's not good at changing up routines and structure she always wants to sit in on lessons and at one point she's she's shut out of that and she, you can see her at the table i don't think she smokes necessarily but that, that would be would be the classic sort of cinematic imagery of just calming yourself down having a cigarette and she's great at that and um she she has the peaks and valleys of the movie, like I read about, but she's not this over-the-top, psychologically mad character or anything. Because uh, everybody's within range, essentially. You exactly hit the nail on the head. Uh, you know, if you look back at her previous career, she's done an awful lot more TV than she has films. I mean, she's she's a big actress, but, you know, her her TV stuff is, you know, lists and lists and lists, whereas her film stuff you know, nine, ten films. But if you look back at her in the the concubine or the servant, you've you've got that same ability to come across at one thing and lift it up and down, and uh, you know, almost always expand what her character is. So she she's as much, you know, to thank for how her character turns out in this as as Bong Joon Ho is. I think it's a you know a mutual thing. Is it laugh out loud funny for you? Is this like smirk inducing stuff because of the mood he, he employs? Because at a few points, they utter some stuff that makes you laugh your head off. But at another point, for, for instance, in a more specific way, but it's non spoiler stuff, the character of uh, Jessica, the daughter of the Kim family, she, her, her, her name in the con is Jessica. She uh, she says that I just looked up art therapy on the internet and then I just ad-libbed some bullcrap. And that is super funny because she, she she's so good at being commanding and then making up stuff on the fly, like lo- looking at the paintings that their son has done. And this is the thing that made me laugh. She says like, well, the, the, bottom, uh, the bottom corner, that's the schizophrenic zone of the painting. <laughs> and the mother, oh, ooh, she's so easily manipulated in that regard. And I thought that was super funny, the way they just, they, they use them as their playthings for a few moments because all of these this stuff shifts throughout the movie which is the magic of it so do you find it to be one of those like where you just howl or do you or, or, or how does the humorous effect uh, from from the the early stages i i smirked and smiled and giggled that was the overall thing for me but there are for me as well laugh out loud moments that just are so funny and so unexpected that you can't help but just think that's just so funny um i'm not going to spoil it completely but there for example if we take 
you know, Jessica or her Korean name's Ki Jung, um, played by the wonderful Park So Dam. At one stage, she's lying back on a sofa um, eating some snacks and she carries on eating the snacks through an entire scene. And at the end of or towards the end of or change in that scene, um, she realizes the snacks aren't quite what she ex- she had thought they were. And as soon as I realized what they actually were, um, you can't help but just you're on the floor laughing because it's so, so funny. You know, it's little things like that. Yeah, it's like background stuff, but not the main focus of the scene uh, because it's a dialogue scene and a dialogue exchange. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's just the little unexpected things that you almost just inadvertently catch out of the corner of your eye. They're the things that that really made me laugh out loud. And you just, you know, I could be seen sitting in front of the the screen just going, this is just so good. It's so good. My biggest laugh, and I might cut this out, is uh, at the scene where they're back in their house and they're sitting at the table. Uh, Song Kang-ho is doing his thing. It's all going, well, what the fuck is here again? You know, when he spots the guy who's urinating outside the apartment. <laughs> you know, even he has it. Nice self and the fuck. Totally, totally. I love that change in his uh, demeanor, right? Speaking of the actors again, I mentioned that they're very natural. They're they're within range. They're not showing off. No one's hogging the screen. And there's even a, a scene in the movie because they're they're performing a con here. So they need to have some scripted stuff in order to further the con. And there's even a scene in the movie where a character makes sure another character is within emotional range. And, and it's ironic because it's... Uh, it's it's not who you it it's not who you think is uh, going off the reservation, if you will, <laughs> which is uh, very funny. A little meta scene almost. That the, no 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 no, take it down a notch. It won't be believable. We'll, we won't get further if you're at this level. And I can always imagine. I almost imagine that it comes straight from like Bong Joon Ho's rehearsal. Like nope, too much. Take it down. And when you're at this level, we're gonna be able to move on in the story some random notes the peach scene spoiler free kind of turns my stomach it's uh it's pretty devious it's pretty vile what uh how they use the peach and uh what they inflict upon another character i thought that was very very mean it, it you know it's another part of like you if you like the family at one point you're gonna dislike them at another point and it's okay to see so back and forth you know the, the strange thing is that we were just talking about the the moments that make you laugh out loud and the first time they do what they do with the peach was a laugh out loud moment for me i know it's mean i know it's nasty but i just thought it was so so funny it didn't hit me badly in any way um it's one of my most memorable parts of the film i have to say so it's just i guess different takes you know so we're probably not going to go that much further in terms of discussing specifics. Uh, we, my, my notes are kept to a certain section of the movie. I'm not going to say how long into the movie we've sort of touched upon because that that's part of the uh, part of the fun. But uh, it's uh, there. There are some good beats here in terms of um, again the shifting sympathy because you feel sympathy for one set of characters and then you feel sympathy towards another set and uh, people are trying to push themselves out of bad situations and and then they push someone else down the ladder it's not problematic to change sympathies of character uh, towards characters 
that's my point. And if if it's a sort of cinematically enthralling, if that's even a that that's even a dead definition, and you know you and you stay with the movie. Uh, and also, I'm glad that no one has come out and said, "Well, that doesn't make sense." In terms of the con, like, oh, they would have been found out uh, totally if they weren't so stupid. Like, no one has really said that. You always hear that, like, stupidest characters ever. And no one has ever really questioned that because sometimes you just have a cinematic experience that feels right in the moment. And if if you start to deconstruct it, yeah, maybe it doesn't make sense. But then you're back in the moment again, maybe during a rewatch, and it doesn't bother you. And maybe that's me just excusing the fact that I'm dumb. Super dumb. But... I'm I'm still glad that no one has come out and said like and made a YouTube video like why Parasite doesn't make sense and is the worst movies ever boo Oscars. I think I think it, that comes down to the bit that it's just it's such a great film overall that no one would really want to do that you know and I think it you know on a rewatch I believed everything I have to say um, you know everybody's got a motivation for whatever they do. And I find those motivations actually quite believable. Mm-hmm. And my final note, uh, uh, maybe this is the Hitchcockian influence, uh, because it certainly is a thriller. That um, the, So I'm just going to say, Bong Joon-ho is very good at, through the use of a doorbell, he can make us go, oh shit. And then, you know, then something has changed, something is on. And that keeps you going as well. That's one of the joy, joys of Parasite. So that's the... I'm, I'm just going to state that, that that's my notes concluded for now. And I'm going to come back with my, more notes after the end music. So I'm going to leave it to you to uh, leave whatever notes uh, you still have left. I mean, the last thing I'd really like to say carries on from what you were just saying. Um, Bong Joon-ho's a huge Hitchcock fan. And... <sighs> You know, to the point where he states that he influences him, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and if you actually look on third or fourth watch, because you won't have time before, if you actually look at some of the camera work, you can see Hitchcock. His his work is there. Some of the framing of, especially Song Kang Ho, at the end as he runs away from somewhere with the camera right on top of him running almost in slow motion it screams you know hitchcock whether whether you look at suspicion or you know whatever um it's it really screams out that that's that's why he's putting these things in because they work so well um so on a third or fourth rewatch you've still got stuff that you can be taking a look at yeah if you're that meticulous you're gonna get your audiences on board through such an easy device of uh, you know changing the scenery by introducing something that wasn't expected in yeah, this totally. case a, a doorbell as i said so um, that's uh, rather marvelous if, if you don't have any other notes i just want to do some quick uh, bite questions on um, on two of the actors because you uh, you touched upon uh, the actors who plays uh, the mother of the park family cho uh, yo jong who who as i noted hasn't been that much on the american a promo campaign she, she's been on a, at a few q a's but i gathered and i guess you answered it that she's uh she's a working actress and she doesn't have time to to sit around and stuff yeah like like i say if you look at at the tv show she's done you know she's she's doing multiple multiple shows as and, and know, good on her by the way I'm, I'm not i'm not blaming her for not being there because uh if work is work and uh, i'm sure she's happy working totally you know and in, in, in terms of uh, actors and actresses you'll always see more actors 
because they they do tend to do less TV and they tend to be just film, for example. Um, the the one thing I will say is that certainly on the the US release, um, actress Park So Dam was was as big as Song Kang Ho. She was she was everywhere. She was you know going to screenings in the US. Oh, she, and, and and she's lovely. She's lovely because she's emotional as well. Uh, this has gotten to her, which is lovely to see. Totally, totally. And there's you know there's a little almost sung phrase early in the film that she and her brother uh, practice before ringing a doorbell to get their story straight. And, you know, at one of the screenings in the US, she actually taught the audience how to, it, it's wonderful. And it just shows she's, she is so invested in it. And she did do the whole round. So fair play to her. She handed out peaches at the top of one of the Q&As as well. She came out with a lovely little basket. <laughs> Absolutely. Perfection. Exactly. Uh, so speaking of her, Park Sudam, who looks 19, but is actually uh, 38. No, I'm just kidding. She's 28. Um, <laughs> She'll like, still look like this when she's 38. Well, yeah, you know she will. That's the problem. You go to the priests as a standout performer. So any spontaneous thoughts on her past uh, credits uh, or you stick to the priests uh, like you read about? I, I have so many great things to say about Park Sudan. Because at 28, is she a veteran by now? Has she amassed credits? Her first movie ever was only in 2013. An unknown film, essentially, called The Legacy, which you can't get hold of anymore anyway. But yes, I'll always talk about The Priest, which is essentially an exorcism-type movie, and she plays a possessed or a seemingly possessed character. She gets her head shaved, and she... If, you, if you've seen things like The Exorcist and whatever, put them aside because her performance is just jaw-droppingly scary, creepy, and, and incredible. Um, and it launched her career. She skyrocketed after that. Um, she's done a lot of indie stuff. She's she's actually now known as the jewel of indie cinema. Um, but, you know, she, she's also done big stuff. She's done, she did The Silenced, which was a really creepy horror film. Uh, that's where I actually saw her in person in Korea. Right? It has to be said. Um, she was in Veteran from Rio Sung Wan. Um, she was in The Priest. She's also done tiny little films like a film called Snowpaths, where she plays a really troubled nun. Um, really tiny, quiet little thing. You know, an Ode to the Goose, which won awards at, at international festivals left, right, and center. And of course, Parasite. So she she chooses her roles really well, but she makes a marked impact in every single one. Alongside her and and Kim Tae who you'll probably know from 1987 when the day comes and Little Forest and whatever. They, in terms of young actresses, are are two of my favorites. Maybe along with Kim Hyang Gi as well. But they're just they are the names to watch out for. It's it's great to see her really pushing this further, and it's great to see her so invested in it and, and performing so amazingly and finally uh, because i'm curious about the actors that's why i'm asking these bite-sized uh, questions uh, choi wushik as yes, the son of the kim family has uh, been in the spotlight uh, during the promotional campaign because he speaks english he uh, because he spent uh, 10 years of his life in canada so he's picked up uh, quite a good grasp of english uh, that way uh, so this uh, this young one uh, has he been a big screen actor mainly, or he has he mixed his uh, TV roles with uh, movie movie roles? I mean, I've seen him uh, in Train to Busan, and he's in Okja to a small extent. But uh, what's your take on uh, what he's done? 
Well, essentially, he's he's a, a lot less far down the line than, say, Park Sudan, but he is young. Um, yeah, he, he mixes. You know, he's sort of done a similar amount of movies as TV. Um, you know, his first his first film was, again, 2013. You know, and his first TV drama was 2011. So half and half. But, you know, yes, he's been in Okja. He's been in Train to Busan. Um, I think he, if in, I'm remembering correctly, isn't he one of the persons in the sports team on in train to Busan because there's yes, there's like a baseball team on the train. Yeah, yeah, he he's one of them. He's just he's one of those young actors that you look at him and you think, I know I've seen him before. I know I've seen him before and you for a while can't really place him because his roles have been really rather small until, you know, things like Parasite, whatever. Um since Parasite he's done a big hit called the Divine Fury, you know, and he's he's got a film coming out this year called Time to Hurt. He, he's getting there, um, a lot smaller than Park Sudan, but you know he's building a career and he's doing all right for himself. He's very good here. He's essentially the lead actor, I would say. You know, agreed, really. Yeah, yeah. He's the first one we see in the movie, I think. Um, and final question: Will it win an Academy Award? I think it'll win more than one. I've thought a, a lot about this. I mean, best international film. That's a shoe in by this point. Right? Yeah, I, I, international foreign language. Um, it'll it'll get that. I don't think it'll win best picture because if it gets, you know, best international, that sort of it's covered. And I think they'll fit it into that so they can give the best picture to somebody else. I toy with the idea that he'll get best director as well i'd agree with that uh, best writing i think uh, they're, they're probably going to lean on someone else but uh, I, I i would weigh i would put a bet in for two of them uh, foreign language and best director very much so and i mean in terms of you know in terms of the uk he a couple of months ago i think it was november if i remember correctly um he did bafta did a series of screenwriters guild lectures with directors who were also screenwriters and it was more about the writing than the directing and he was one of those so in terms of of if the oscars were in the uk i'd say he might even get you know best best screenplay i don't think he'll get it at the oscars but i think he'll get more than one i'll guarantee he'll get at least one but i'm hope i i, I would i would say he'll get more it would be a bit of an upset uh, in the foreign language category considering all its goodwill critically and audience wise so uh yeah. maybe if it would uh, have been a critical slam but an audience favorite then the academy would have been like ah, i don't know about that it's not respected it is yeah, respected I think, I think that i think that's quite likely but it, it's just it's being more respected than any other korean film in history as far as i can see so uh, we'll see and uh, as for availability uh, it's hit home video in a variety of places including on hong kong dvd and blu-ray it's on American DVD and Blu-ray. You can also buy it and rent it digitally on places such as Amazon US and iTunes US. Uh, just like the DVD, the iTunes purchase comes with uh, a Q&A with uh, Bong Joon-ho, about 20 minutes. Uh, eventually, it's going to come to UK Disc and Digital, as we stated before. And just like um, the cinema run that's uh, coming up, uh, Curse on Artificial Eye will also uh, be uh, behind the home video rollout in the UK with someone. Uh, as Paul stated, there's someone, uh, there's going to be a joint sort of cooperation, but uh, it's not official yet, I suppose. So. They're, they're keeping their, their things very close to the chest. And 
I mean, it's not. A, I mean, it opens in cinema. You got to focus on the cinema first, and not have people look forward to sitting on their bumps uh, watching it at home. So, totally, totally. You know, and when it comes out on Blu-ray and DVD, that'll be you know exclusively Curzon Artificial Eye again. But um, you know, just after the sixteen weeks or coming up to the sixteen weeks, they'll at some point suddenly announce who they've partnered with, and I, I, I'll guarantee it'll be one of the big names. And again, if you're listening to this and have seen a movie and, and want some scattered thoughts on the major spoilers of the film, stick around after our sign-off and outro music because uh, I made some additional notes, some technical and some storytelling notes that I just wanted to share in uh, maybe a random fashion, but still, uh, dude, we don't do that that often, but I felt in this case I had a little bit more to say. So uh, by placing it after the exit music, I think we've done as good of a job as we can getting you to avoid spoilers if that's what you um, want to do so uh, stick around if you like but uh, in the meantime for all your podcast on fire network needs including the back catalog of what's korean cinema go to podcastonfire.com subscribe to us on itunes rate us on itunes and uh, download our, our shows via your apple podcast uh, app and uh, via your stitcher radio radio app and spotify as well and follow us on our social media by clicking the handy buttons at the top of our website uh, our facebook and twitter feeds are linked to that way so i'm gonna keep it short so we can get on to the spoiler stuff uh, but uh, you're gonna get uh, your plug uh, into the show once more so where can people find your website you can find me at www.hangolcelluloid.com. Um, I'm on Facebook and Twitter as well. Links to both and, and a few of my most recent tweets and what have you um, are actually on the, the site's main homepage. So head over there if you want to read reviews. There's loads of interviews, transcriptions of, of talks I've given, etc., etc. So that's us for now. We're going to sign off. And if you enjoyed this um, this discussion, but uh, and if, if you've seen the movie and want to hear our sort of thoughts on uh, the major spoilers of the film, we're going to return after the outro music. Uh, but in case uh, you exit now and not going to even bother to listen to that section, thank you for listening. And I've uh, been Kennedy, and with me was Paul Quinn. So uh, this is the official sign-off. So take us out, Paul. Thank you for listening, guys and girls. See you soon. unofficial re-entry or encore starts now so so here we go we're, we're into the spoiler section so because you, you only talk of the movie up until the first hour really like if, if, if i mean we, we've spoiled some things but you you simply in a non-spoiler discussion per definition you don't talk of the second hour no you, you can't you can't even you can't even come close to mention it. i think we did well in terms of not not spoiling things i don't think you know, even where we mentioned things, we did. You know, they won't have, if they haven't seen it, they won't have any clue what we're talking about until they see it. So, and it won't spoil anything. I don't think exactly. So, that's change 
that occurs at the hour mark. Yeah, it was just... It's not revolutionary, but it was just remarkable. Why is she doing that thing in the basement? Like, standing, like, horizontally? Oh! Oh, yeah, there we go. Okay, there's another thing here. Like, I knew that this movie would have developments, but I had no idea what was gonna happen. I mean, some darkness was gonna come at some point, but I didn't know we had an additional layer in in the form of another you know house you know below level house and i love the long steady cam shot that that concerns itself with this deep journey into the basement i mean it's a bunker really and uh, there i guess is where bong joon ho and his cinematographer is like oh let, let's let's be stylish let's have a long steady cam shot and I, I was thinking to myself those that doesn't look very wide so I'm thinking, you gotta squeeze in a camera in there as well, and you gotta make those turns uh, efficiently. Or do it again. <laughs> or fall on your ass like the characters do. As yeah, they totally. Sit there, there. So te- technically, I don't, I don't know if the rest of the movie necessarily just ramps up the technical stuff, but there is the showcase of uh, let's, uh, let's boast a little bit technically and just get into the bowels of the basement and what will they find, because we don't know. I was taken taken aback by it, and uh, despite having seen cinema with twists before, I was really taken aback by it because you, it's that freaky image of her trying to get the shelf out of the way. That's the freaky stuff where you just go, "What?" Yeah, yeah, you do, you do. It's it's just it's what two hours twelve minutes this film. So because it's a Korean cinema, you know something's going to happen at the R mark. It always does. And especially with Bong Joon-ho, you know something's coming. So as soon as I saw her, you know, squeeze across there trying to do something, you, you know, you've expected what you don't expect, if you like what I mean. You've expected something coming, but it's unexpected when it arrives because that's Bong Joon-ho. Um, but when that door is opened and you've got that camera going down that long, long, you know, steady cam thing, which which is absolutely perfectly smooth Um, it it just so memorable i mean i can remember switching off parasite having finished it and what's in my mind that that down into the basement you just think because it's not one set of stairs i mean maybe it's one or two turns but it just goes it's it's um you know there's a reason it's it's a bunker it needs to go into the the ground and below level I, i really also like the the, the seriousness of the um, the plight of the poor comes a little bit to the forefront here where the the husband of the prior housekeeper tells his story uh, why he's even in the basement and he talks of his uh, cake shop going uh, going bust and they're, they're now in debt and they need to hide from uh, debt collectors and there's a crucial cut to Song Kang-ho's character who feels kind of sympathy for someone who tried so he's not above the people um, that are struggling just because they managed to get themselves into this uh, house of the wealthy and feel like yeah they're, they're on top of the world. There's a and it's just a cutaway to Song Kang Ho reacting, so it's not like there's a tear going down his face or anything. But you realize that he uh, it kind of gets to him. He feels that in his heart. Uh, he feels sad for him because you you took the brave step of starting something yourself. You had to borrow money in this case and when the fall is hard 
and when it doesn't work out, it's uh, it's sad and can be tragic. But Bong Joon Ho isn't uh, being melodramatic about it. So. Totally, I, I I wholeheartedly agree, and I think out of all the family, it is Song Kang Ho's character who does sort of almost feel the empathy. You know, the mother much less so. Um, and I also love the fact that even from the very first time we're introduced to the the husband that's in the basement, you can see he's a little bit off kilter. He's he's losing it a little bit. He's been down there for four years. A little bit of a little bit of cabin fever, I suppose. Yeah, you know, and you can tell it from the outset, and he just comes across as weirdly eccentric, and it gets more and more eccentric, and you realise that he's going to play a bigger part in proceedings than than just being the husband of one of the bigger characters. It's a recent actor in this case uh, who plays the husband, Park Myung Hoon, was not on a promotional campaign because he can't. He can't because you can't. He, he can't be known to exist. Exactly. It's a, it's a good thing they don't do a full cast list before the movie or anything like that. So like, yeah, Park, totally. totally. Uh, would, would audiences know him as soon as they saw him and also wide-eyed, wild, wild, crazy eyes of his? Not at all. Even even in Korea, um, out of his movies, his first movie was in 2014, and he's only done five. And, um, you know, they're small, small films. Um, Alive's about the biggest. He did a film called Snowy Road, which which is based on sort of the comfort women thing. That's probably the biggest thing he's done. So he's not a big name. Um, in terms of TV dramas, again, he's only done three, four over the last you know, couple of years. So he's he's kind of newish, even though he's kind of old. Yeah, it looks like he also can be slotted into crazy characters, but uh, boy, does he get one that has layers to him. And he gets to be funny too. So it's not just craziness or anything, but um, bo- uh, boys, those eyes, um, they're, they're, they're effective. Wild and crazy. And I mean, there's tension in the basement because they're discovered, they're filmed, you know, the tables are turned and the phone, is now a gun. They're held at phone point, which is funny because then you have that crazy sequence where they where they all struggle to get the phone. It's done in slow motion against the soundtrack of it's not a Frank Sinatra song because it sounds like it's in Korean, but it's that type of uh, type of genre of uh, music uh, that you would find maybe Frank Sinatra uh, sing. You know, yeah, playing yeah, very on, much so. on, on the uh, on the vinyl. And it's so funny when they get up and they now have. Uh, them at phone point and he, he says to him like this send button man it's like a missile on, missile launcher <laughs> it's crazy uh, he, he gets to sort of steal the movie a little bit uh, Park uh, Myung does, yeah. Hoon. and uh, for good reason I mean he finally he can get be be upstairs which he probably hasn't been uh, been for a while so of course I know this but uh, for those who are listening is this indecisive cinema to go that rapidly from tension to um, to kind of slapstick in slow motion as they all struggle to get the phone out of each other's hands and not send the text again i think it's perfection i think it's going from that tension you know it it is ludicrous when you think about it but if you took that music away it's still tense it's still there it's a beautiful little twist rather than being offset i think for me anyway yeah and it's not the intensity that's overwhelming either he still keeps um his eye on the on the coherency of this uh, of this story, despite changing it uh, uh, completely, you know. Uh, there's a terrific pace to the cleanup montage uh, of the cooking and the running around and the tidying up and the clearing the traces of them. And I love that uh, Choi Wu Shik runs up the stairs like a bug. 
<laughs> on all fours. So it's a, it's a one of the literal sort of manifestations of uh, their, their their bugs that have infested this uh, this household. Yeah, you know? totally. So, totally. And, and, and it's not pretentious because it's so quick. And he hasn't done anything like that in the movie necessarily. Bong Joon-ho, like, this symbolizes them being parasites. It's just one of those, let's just do it really quick. Yeah, totally, totally. And it works because of that, I think, you know, that it, that they're not specifically po- overly pointing to it. But it's there nonetheless. And, and obviously, there's a sense of deflation here. There's a fragile balance between this con working and them falling on hard times. Again, you know, uh, when you have no control over the plan, uh, as they find out, you know, with uh, their apartment being flooded and our our eyes turn, you know, or our mind and senses turn a little bit to sadness, I suppose, uh, that they, their home, it, they, it does get lo- lost in the flood to a degree. And uh, it, it is it is sad because they're up there on, on a way higher level, literally, enjoying the rain. And they're down there, nearly drowning to get their belongings and uh, again it's not irresponsible to change our view of the kim family this way because you just go with the fact that it's a sad situation that um, living in that kind of apartment and that kind of rain is gonna it's like a foregone conclusion that that's gonna happen at one point Uh, well just for me the whole the whole poignancy of of that whole thing is sort of summed up they end up staying having to stay overnight in the gym and um song kang ho's character makes a statement the whole way through the film they've been talking about what's your plan how are we gonna what plan can we do to this you know how's our plan going what you know etc etc and he in the gym he turns around and says you know what the best type of plan is no plan at all because if you make a plan it all goes wrong and if you don't have a plan, nothing can go wrong. It doesn't fucking matter. And for me, that just summed up his realization that everything they tried to do was just gone. And I, I, I find that deeply moving, I have to say. It's passing almost, but I really felt that he's just thought everything he tried to do, he did it the wrong way. And he only finds out when it's all crashed to the ground. I think that's, you know... Poignant upon poignant, considering the fact that they were destitute in the first place. And they're, they're an actor like Song Kang-ho, who, who seems like a supporting player at points in the narrative, gets to show why he's credited as the first actor in the movie, uh, really, and uh, gets to show why um, he's so good at commanding and doing very very little and being very present. You know, just because he plays poor, they don't, they don't craft this major, like disheveled appearance for him uh, you know it's in the subtle touches uh, the clothes that they have after sleeping in the gym are like uh, donations almost it seems like and they're, they're they're asked to go to work again and now now they're trapped which i thought was uh, part funny part sad and infuriating because now the parks start acting like uh, the, the, the true colors come out for no other reason that it was in there and now they they're living out there sort of we have servants and do our bidding and oh my god you smell they smell don't they like it was in them the whole time and i what what i thought was very funny was that they're gonna throw an impromptu party with violinists and singing you know and uh, all kinds of uh, impromptu organized things like uh, cowboys and indians uh, uh, you know 
uh, props and things like that. And I thought, thought that was so infuriatingly funny. That uh, yeah, just an impromptu thing. La 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 la. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so yeah, it's uh, it's the bright bright party, and then obviously the events from the basement leaks out into the rich world of it all. And I mean, it's a, it's a violent, um, violent sequence, disturbing probably because it's, um, it's not, you, you can't map out, map out this sequence as it happens, but the stabbings, it, uh, it goes for a couple of unexpected developments, which just makes you go, wow. And you're mad and you're angry and you're infuriated that, um, characters show their true colors uh i mean i can't spoil it all but i'm i'm, I'm not gonna spoil spoil it all despite it's just that uh, there's a reason song kang ho changes on a dime and uh that's what he does at the end you know i i, I mean from my point of view that the whole thing about finding out what the the, the rich family's true colors are i, I sort of it, it, there's a double thing you know throughout first the male character and then his wife have been talking about this smell that the Kim family supposedly have, which turns out to be how they feel all poor people smell, which is disgusting in its own right. But throughout the earlier stages, even though there was talk of this smell, you almost got the feeling that there was, you know, there was grudging respect in a way. And when you actually see his his son needs help for something that's all i'll say um and he's looking for the car keys and considering what the position song kang ho is in and the rest of his family are in the that rich husband's choice of what is important to him just shows that he doesn't really give a flying f for any of them and never has and it was maybe there, but it really hit me quite hard that, you know, considering what Song Kang Ho's going through, that there's just, there's no empathy whatsoever. And it just, it lets you realize just how cold that rich person is simply, you know, and there, it, there's an earlier point in the film where the Kim family are talking about the rich and they say, oh, the parks are so nice and they're rich. And his wife says, yeah, but they're nice because they're rich. And I think it rings wholly through the roof that that's so not the case, um, that they are they are actually nasty, nasty people who are so self-serving that no one else matters. And I think that, you, you know, I'm talking far too much about it, but that sort of really stuck with me. That hit me quite hard. Yeah, and, and Song Kang-ho's reaction to this is not wide-eyed and wild. He just, he changes and he does what he does. There's a funny side to that. Well, not funny, but there's a a thing that I only noticed on my what, fourth rewatch. Um, after the flooding, where their life is completely torn apart, you've seen Song Kang Ho's character in the car, you know, either smiling, not smiling, doesn't matter. He's just, he's got a vibe to him. As soon as there's that first car journey, after that you see a change in his demeanor where there's just there's a meanness to his eyes there really is and that stays and you know it obviously builds into something else but that's for me where it started because he knows it's gone and he now he, he now has different feelings towards the rich family than even he did before um so i think it's really built from earlier on then yes he does turn but it came beforehand yeah and it's all about the like it almost looks like a big look but it's not too exaggerated it like sulk now 
and fume now. It's not uh, like a basic direction like that. It's uh, he, because he knows how to stay within balance. When, when something is too little and too much, and, like he knows how to stay within balance. Bong Joon Ho does as well. So yeah, yeah. That, that's why those reactions work. Uh, Bong also has the balls to be silly in the aftermath during the Miranda rights uh, scene where they, they try to read the, read the Miranda rights to Choi Wishik's character, who just laughs his tits off because he has brain, right. brain damage by that point. It's like, am I going to have to do that again? <laughs> so it, it's all typical, come on, man. You don't, okay, you did that, but it's kind of funny. It, and it's really funny, actually. <laughs> it is. And, I, you know, I love, I usually hate any sort of narration at all, but I love the little bit of narration where he says, you know, I, I woke up and, a policeman who didn't look like a policeman was standing in front of me. And then the doctor who didn't look like a doctor came and examined me. And you just think it's so perfectly nuanced. It's just gorgeous. And he's just sitting there giggling the whole time. So I guess it's obvious, but I'm still going to ask it anyway. The whole wrap up where we where a new plan is hatched uh, to to get Song Kang-ho's uh, uh, character out of the uh, out of the ba- out of the basement. That is fantasy right that that's his plan rather than what actually happened because one thing that i couldn't figure out how would he send the letter to his father yeah totally um bong jin ho's actually talked about this uh, for any of you who you know have have seen the film and checked out some of his you know q a's and whatever um you may know it um he originally his his whole thing that he wanted to say at the end was that the Kim family haven't changed. They haven't succeeded. And if you if you like, there is no way on earth that the son would ever be able to get that house, which is, you know, what he's he's sort of telling his father in the letter that he's going to do. Um, and, and Bong Joon-ho said he created that made-up segment completely to make it look like everything could be okay but because they are in poverty in korea there's no way that could ever be the case and he said he wanted to end it on a a wholly sad note because he thought it was important and that's why you know you get this whole brightly lit beautiful happy scene him sending the you know somehow sending the letter to his father which he wouldn't be able to do anyway um and everything seeming to be in the future gonna be great and they finish on the character of the son sitting in the basement flat and i think that that's a beautiful way to end it and i think it says a lot um and it was deliberately chosen by bong jin ho for that reason i didn't pick up on that during my first viewing that um there would be no logical way for him to receive the letter he had, he had to be up to know to look towards the mountain for someone else sending morse code and that wouldn't really work because like he know like he goes up to take food but it's not like he knows okay i need to stay up and watch for someone doing morse code up at the mountain like he wouldn't know that that no and and even at one point says you know every time i go upstairs i take my life in my hands because the housekeeper is here 24 hours a day so there's no way there's no way he could but i think it's just it's that you know, ideally, this is what I would do. I'd send my father a note and I'd end up making everything all right and be becoming rich, which he never will. It, it's a it's quite lovely staging uh, the fantasy segment of it all. He emerges out of the basement and he's now redesigned. The external part of it is redesigned and uh, 
uh, out of the bunker, uh, rather. And uh, then they sort of, well, here we are. It worked out. And uh, but, but it's not like a huge, huge, yay, it worked out. You're here. You haven't aged that much. Why don't why don't you have a beard? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's it's idealized, I suppose. So, but uh, yeah, totally. uh, well staged. So uh, uh, any other notes uh, amidst your spoiler notes you want to share? I'm pretty much there. Um, you know, anything more from my point of view would tend maybe a little bit too much towards spoilers, even at this stage. You know, it's simply because even if you guys have watched it, I, I almost demand you go and rewatch it because you'll pick up more from it. And and if we give any more spoilers, that might spoil your second viewing. So I'm going to hold back. I agree. So let's uh, sign off uh, here and uh, not even uh, not even do the proper sign off we'll just stop talking